0: Relentlessly advancing through the frost hollow like some many-limbed, gibbering, eldritch horror, casting an electronic screech onto every Vox frequency that will take it. This is the unrelenting, skittering, and crawling thing of Rebellion, 665.66UHMR, ChemRat Radio. Our misadventures tonight take me deep into the Underhive's own past, into the forgotten deep, dark places that lurk within the sump. In search of some of the many old, dusty tomes, the Administratum doesn't want us to get our greedy paws on. My partner in crime is the famous smooth talking fence Stephen Gutrippa. Need something illicit sold? He's your guy.
1: Oi, I hear you're looking for something hard to find and a little dusty.
0: (laughs) And armed as always with what some say is an unhealthy amount of plasma weaponry and the willingness to slag first and ask questions. Never, I I never ask questions. Just roll a one. Yeah, yeah. I'm your host, Goblin King. I'm Steven. The probable <laughs> one. Also known as Steven the Gut Ripper. The Gut Ripper. Let's go. Well, uh, welcome to episode 80 of Under the Hive of Madness. This is our community spotlight with Steven of Steven. Stevon! Steven. Mm, We're getting real, real saucy <laughs> with Steve-on, it. Stevon. Uh, with Steven of Improbable Wargaming, who is Boy. a Midwest producer, content producer like That's me. Correct. Yes, <laughs> if This is the first time you've caught one of our episodes on The of Madness. In our community spotlight episodes, we bring in somebody who is into the community, into the community growing side of this. We don't necessarily directly approach it all the time, but a lot of people get a very healthy dose of community and a very health, healthy dose of like mental health support and the things that you need as people from the Wargaming hobby, And we like to bring in community members and kind of talk about the community that you're building yep. and your goals and all of that sort of stuff. So, uh, yeah, we're going to we're going to interview you. I hope you're ready to talk about a lot of Warhammer. Crap. Uh,
1: sounds like a normal day for me. <laughs>
0: I'm excited. So ge- before we jump into any of it at all, before we jump into my normal questions and the things that I kind of ask everybody, yep. what is Improbable Wargaming? Where did Improbable War Gaming come from? What are your goals with Improbable War Gaming? And
1: how can people find Improbable War Gaming? Perfect. So let's start with the last question. So you can find us on YouTube as improbablewargaming.com. Now, this is Improbable War Gaming on YouTube. <laughs> and then we've got our TikTok and we've got our Instagram where we're posting daily, just general content. We do a lot of memes and stuff like that, or steal memes sometimes because, you know, we got that orky mentality around here, and everything's for free if it's not bolted down. Yeah, Exactly, we take it. While we're doing all of that, we you know we kind of started the whole stream was this idea. I was playing with a friend of mine, and we were just laughing and, and having a great time. And I was like, "This is something that you know I think people want to see because we had people around us watching and enjoying us playing." And I was like, "This is this is kind of content. So like I really like it." And I and as a someone who's a nurse, you know, and I've been doing nursing now for fourteen years. I deal with a lot of sadness with what I, you know, with my work, you know, people passing away and whatnot. And this is my escape from that sadness. And so my goal is to kind of drop uh, nursing as a whole and and move into just pure content creation and, and just the joy of the game and, and building a community with, you know, the people that are here. Because when I first started here, you know, like anyone who's like, I mean, I've been playing since third edition, but I'm new to Iowa in the sense of not being born here you know trying to find a community was not exactly easy and then now you know putting in the effort and making friends of the communities around me has grown like sometimes you know it's like instead of joining a community the best answer is make your own make your yeah build your own and that's what i've kind of done is through connections and friends and and idea of competitive mentality i've made friends with the sixes i made friends with just random guys that you know at the store and now some of them are coming on the stream, and some of them I'm playing regularly for getting ready for tournaments. And it's just, it's been this wonderful, like you said, mental health experience, right? Because now, instead of me feeling kind of isolated and doing something that I love, now I've got a bunch of friends that are all supporting me, and I'm supporting them as, as this whole YouTube thing's taking off.
0: Yeah, it, it, it Warhammer. Uh, any gaming, you know, whether or not it's Warhammer, whether or not it's Dungeons and Dragons, whether yep. or not it's competitive Monopoly, uh, maybe not competitive Monopoly. Oh, I love it! Let's go. Maybe that's maybe that's the toxic environment. But but by and large, as to where there might be toxicity in and around it, it's not toxic by nature no, and a I lot do. of people like kind of want to like they build you up and they want to see what you're doing and you know you're sharing a creative mindset you're creating it is you're, you're shredding you're shredding a creative mindset yes. you're creating a, a creative mindset it's it's a lot like we talked about this before cameras before microphones not cameras but before yes. microphones were rolling but we both have like kind of this this shared connection to um punk music yes and it's a lot of the art places that a lot of like artists hung out at where a lot of three string fast rock came out of a lot of that was really just dudes hanging out people. I shouldn't say dudes um, because yeah, you know, I've been to plenty yeah. of
1: in the, in somebody's house in San Diego punk concert that were yeah. full of both boys and
0: girls. Yeah, and it just, it just builds into that community. It builds into, 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 people are willing to support each other. And 100%. yeah,
1: yeah. Anyway. No, I agree with you. And, and that's kind of like what the big house rule is for my, ch- my channel, right. Is when you come on, nobody cares who wins. The oh, point yeah. is to showcase the armies, have a good time, throw dice. Nobody wants to see two people acting like they're at the final table at LVO. Nobody wants to see yeah. that because they can see that already. <laughs> what they want to see exists. is two yeah. people having fun, laughing, throwing dice. And then, and, and honestly, that's what I, I like the most. Um, and I, you know, cause yeah, I'm a competitive person. I want to win i mean i've always been that way but i also care about my opponent's experience if i'm winning at their expense then that's not a good game at all i, I want a game where if i won it's great but my opponent was like wow that was an amazing game for example to give you a good example of this is when i was in kc this year i first game i i was a draw we literally scored 87 to 87 it was my harlequins against imperial guard right and we drew And we were high-fiving each other. Uh, And, you know, it was, you know, I want that experience with every one of my games.
0: Well, if it's a great game and it's a great narrative experience, and even when you're playing competitive, we harp on this a lot in the podcast. So so sorry that you guys probably hearing this for like the 900th time but even if it's a, a competitive game that doesn't mean that you're not cooperatively telling a story
1: exactly and the reality is in a competitive game the real difference is that the win and loss comes down in the inches you know because yes. it's because we're making very fine calculated movements where in the more casual game yeah it's just pushing pieces and throwing there's still there's logic behind everything that's going on but both games but the the competitive guys looking at it like a chess player you know moves yes. ahead yeah. and things and there's still a lot of fun to be had there and i've played hundreds of competitive games if not now going on a thousand and i i've only rarely found a you know that salty kind of more toxic player it's it's more of the rare versus the the consistent it's it's the exception not the rule exactly that's the way to put it i like that
0: so here's a very a a very specific question because we also kind of have a shared past of not necessarily being from the midwest but being in the midwest now
1: uh, yeah transplanted
0: i have played more competitive games in the Midwest than I have played since fourth edition.
1: Yeah. I mean, I came out here from Reno, uh, Nevada, right? I mean, and there was a lot of guys out there. Yeah. There's competitive guys out there, but my, and, and gals, but my experience has been more of a, like crusade type narrative, right? Yes. Yes. And then I come out here and, and I guess in the Midwest there are, and I know a lot of guys that play Crusade stuff, but they're more playing with their buddies at their house. Yes. But when you go to the when you go to the Warhammer store or you go into JCD and Hobby or something like that, now we're running into people that are like, "I'm here to beat you. Can you beat me? You know what I mean? Kind of. We're bit. doing
0: we're doing pushups. That I, I I'm really bad with anime, but Goku or Frieza yeah. or whatever doing pushups. And we're the,
1: going to the zero G. The G yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. time frozen. <laughs> chamber and we're going to train real hard and that's what
0: that's what playing here is like and i like it i definitely like it because i i get to throw dice and i get to have a lot of fun and and when the meta rolled back around to the way that my tyranids are built (laughs) uh, and all of a sudden uh what is storm not storm i keep wanting to say storm crusher. what was it called
1: what what were we talking about
0: the the army of renown beast crusher. No.
1: Oh, oh the
0: okay, okay. The stampede, the the crusher stampede. There you That's go. it. I knew the last part. You knew the. Oh first. my god. <laughs> we can get that. Uh, okay, we you did know. it. Two brain cells right here. Right, well, for, with me, you probably got, have ninety eight, but I've I'm only, I'm working with two. <laughs> it's like half a G- Chat GPT. I'm the free version of Chat GPT right now. <laughs> um. So when when the meta rolled back, I. The reason that I have a Tyranid army and I'm I'm motioning across the studio because my Tyranid army is behind Stephen right now. But the reason that I have a Tyranid army is because I love (laughs) big monsters, which is not the meta of Tyranids
1: ever And tell Crusher Stampede And then for that six glorious months. (laughs) Yeah, while you're waiting for your codex, it was like, let's just run the biggest things we've got. Uh, Six glorious months of slaughtering everything. And then it went back to
0: like, why the fuck did you bring two Herodils? Well, because they're fun. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Oh, I can't play them
1: anymore? Damn it. (laughs) They were really expensive.
0: Uh, Anyway.
1: (laughs) Well, I mean, that's the nice thing, right? Like with competitive play. Like a lot of armies, not every army is good at the same time, but everyone gets their turn of being in the top, you know, yeah. top five, right? So if it you, makes it fun. If you play Warhammer 40K long enough, your
0: army, the way that you built it, and based on your aesthetic, in yeah. my opinion, yes, yes, will get to the point where it has its limelight in the meta. It
1: might be 12th edition, but you're going to get there.
0: It'll get there. You know, if, if you're really waiting on Imperial
1: Guard to be good again, in 12th
0: edition <laughs>
1: yeah yeah. Uh, yeah i mean and, and honestly right we may see like at, the, at like halfway through yeah we uh, 10th know. edition right we also it's oops all guard list you know and no tanks we, we don't know right we have no and, idea and, yeah, exactly and, and there's like you know it can be tough right because it's easy to want to chase the meta and, and and own all the armies but i think the reality is when it comes to being a, a good competitive player it's guys who maybe own one or two and they own like and they, and they own focus. enough and they focus on them because they play different and then it also allows you to focus your your money into owning everything so like when the let's say the 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 points change on your army well i've got every model for this army i just i just adapt Versus Mm -hmm. if you're meta chasing, you've only got the meta list, and now you're either dumping money into that or now you're buying another meta army. And it's like, and you're just chasing your own tail. And I feel like it's better to buy one or two, maybe three, if you're crazy like me. uh, And then, you know, and then just come on, I've got more than that. But that's only because I have a YouTube YouTube channel, so don't judge me. But the (laughs) point is, if you have two armies, financially you're a lot it's better for you and hobby time you can better focus
0: you can be, yeah better focus is definitely a thing and, and <clears> i'm hitting that right now because i had this idea so i've got i've got like ten thousand points of skaven yeah oh uh and i decided but at both. one point <laughs> <laughs> i decided at one point that i wanted to do a uh, dark mech army Ooh, yeah. because I wanted to put Skaven in forty K and I was like, okay, Skaven and Mechanicus, I can make that work. Yep. And that was my plan for Iowog here here coming up at the end of the year. Yep. yep. Was I was going to run my my Skaven mech, my Dark Mech Skaven, my Radicus Mechanicus, yeah, if yeah. you will. Yeah, Radicus. I love it. Iowog. And then tenth came out. And I went from having a really nicely tuned and focused 2,000 point army to like a 1750 point army. Yeah, yeah. and I'm like, ah, oh, crap! Now I gotta buy stuff. And that's that. That's like a a lot of my armies because I've got a lot of them. I mean, there's like, sure, I've seen a few around here already. There's four in this room. Yeah, yeah, no, I hear yeah. <laughs> uh, you. Five in this room and that's without counting the fantasy stuff that's exactly. in the room um six in this room without counting good seven i saw the tau stuff damn it anyway um <laughs> easy to do. i i like the hobbying side so much that i've gotten to that point where like i'm working on a crude army that is going to be my space wolves Interesting because I want I I think crew should have their own codex. I'm one of those guys. That's hilarious. They might I've have an army renowned again. Yeah. I've got my um my exodites are over there. All the dinosaurs are part of my exodites. You saw a couple of my dinosaurs downstairs that are part of my exodites. That
1: is legitimately what they should look like.
0: Yep. That's what I feel. And uh and then I've got my rat mechanicus that I'm working on. So I've got all of these like high concept models don't exist for them armies yeah, yeah. that I want to work on. And that's kind of where I'm at now. And it's just it it hit at a weird time because it hit at a time where I started podcasting and I started community building and I started doing a bunch of stuff and now I paint like three models a year. Um. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right.
1: No, I get you. I get you for sure on that. Like for me, you know, I just keep on task. Like like that's why I'm not like finishing a specific army because it's like okay, this week I'm gonna be playing orcs. So now it's like. I need to work on getting that. orcs right. Exactly. <laughs> and then it's like, Oh, I need to work on my competitive list. Well, I better just play orcs because I've paid more of them than anything else. Right. And Exa- then, my, yeah. then I've got my like Drakari. my I'm like, I will get back to you. I promise
0: one day, my sweet, <laughs> my <laughs> sweet, sweet summer child <laughs> back to the hive of underworld
1: as gut ripper finds the first dusty tone.
0: I'm just going to like keep
1: punching the cameras. Yes. That's and, and on for you. you Patreon, You do get to watch the stream. You're, you're getting the, um, you won't get to feel the vibrations but you will see them you
0: will yes you will we're not quite at the level uh for three six or nine dollars you can join us on patreon and see what we're talking about uh, so biggest hobby regret
1: mine or yeah, yours yours oh i don't know what i want to talk about so biggest hobby regret i this is an easy story i can hear the groans from across iowa already so uh, i moved here i moved here 15 years ago with my wife and um i couldn't find the community right like i was struggling and i was told oh come here at this time and there's people and stuff and after like several years like, there was nobody right for like that was showing up and i ended up like we've up buying a house and just you know making this our permanent home right well i decided that my third slash fourth edition tyranids i just didn't need them anymore <laughs> and so they went in the trash in that you didn't sell them they went in the trash no because oh. i i just made this just dist- like i was kind of like I'm mad because, you know, when I was back in Reno, the community was like, there was people playing all the time. You just show up, you got a game. Coming out here, was it was not like that back when I got here. Um, So, it just got, I got kind of, uh, you know, bogged down in my own despair, and I made a bad choice, and now I regret that they're in the landfill somewhere, right? And um, so, I made, I swore to myself, I will never collect Tiernan's again because of my decision. They, no matter how great the models now look and and how they continue to prove them, I will not purchase them. But that is, if I have a hobby disaster, it was... Letting myself see those 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 nids and then taking the old because I even threw them out in the GW old GW clam cases that I got from back then oh, all went in the trash. Man, I am that's my that's my disaster.
0: I am in pain right now as as a purveyor of biomass. <laughs> yes, yes. I my biggest is I sold when when we moved to when we moved to Iowa yep, yep. when we made the Midwest our permanent home. I sold my. Third edition, probably six thousand points worth of drukari. Oh wow! I and remember what those look like my. Um, well, yeah, dark, dark, at that point, dark, dark eldar. eldar. Back when we just put goth goth eldar. <laughs> yes, there you go. Uh, and then I also sold probably about twenty five to three. In Catachans. I got rid of my Imperial Guard and my Dark Eldar because it was just like I don't want to move with so much and all. Yeah, that. Yeah. I had all these unbuilt kits and all that stuff, sure. and I was I was doing the I'm gonna focus, and um, um, and I really regret it. And because of that, I bought when now that what are they called now? They're combat patrols. Yes, um, that the thing that has replaced or no boarding action. Well, well, boarding actions boarding are not action. the new
1: thing though. The boarding actions were just short lived, right? Thing.
0: So I bought the boarding action for Drakari because I I was like I'll at least do that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and now I'm and now I'm kind of rebuilding. And I bought the boarding action for Eldari because I'm going to use the new Corsairs to replace the Guardians in my Exodite army because I don't want my Exodites to look like yeah. normal Eldari. Yeah. Anyway, that, so that's my big one is I I sold my Dark Eldar and I sold my Imperial Guard and now I kind of wish I had both of them. And as you can see. My heretic guard is on. (laughs) And and they're probably going
1: to be a thing before we know it. I mean, GW is kind of, hinting at it already,
0: right? Yeah, they've been they've been putting out them feelers again. But you yep. know, behind you on on the shelf, the Eye of Terror book is there, and the Eye of Terror oh. book in the back has the rules for running Heretic Guard back and forth edition. Oh
1: and dude I just I've always had I, that. I have to I have to pause only for a moment. That I have to say like as somebody who was new back then to to Forty K, it's something that we I feel like we miss now. Like when they did the Eye of Terror campa- campaign and it was like worldwide kind of thing going on right it was a smaller community but it felt like i remember going to a narrative campaign tournament like thing it was kind of one of those and they said the results mattered for that campaign and they were collecting that data you know, it, was it felt it felt huge
0: it was changing i mean it changed the kdfl because of that i'm kdfl because of that mass campaign and i i love that sort of stuff
1: we've yes, i miss that we need more of that bring it back gw we started trying to do it from a
0: community standpoint through our Discord and we had a couple of people play but it's it's so difficult to organize. Yes. And 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 cuz it's collating a lot of data one and two um and this is probably our fault. Sorry. We launched it right after right before 10th was announced. Oh yeah, that'll
1: that makes it hard.
0: But you you know there's writing time and there's in and, and you're not you're not thinking of the company's release. You're thinking of making, you know,
1: content
0: essentially. Yeah, so. and that's
1: kind of what happened with us. With us, we we launched Horace Heresy on the YouTube, but then tenth uh, dropped, and all suddenly our views on the Horace Heresy content like dwindled on near nothing. So we put it we put it on the back burner until the tenth of next month. Because or uh, yeah, yeah, no, now this month now. today. But they, uh, they did a bunch of it. So announcements we're relaunching today. Horace they, they, Heresy now that because you know, 10th is now going to calm down a little bit. The right, excitement. Right. And, and so horse hours, we will be coming back on Mondays for us, you know, in the, Very you know, cool. the 10th. So, yeah, but I understand that. Yeah. 10th stole a lot of thunder, if you will, from different activities. <laughs>
0: yeah. It, it just, it's, it's a release. It's a release that comes out and, and all of that. And, and, you know, there's, there's cruise city and blackstone fortress sitting behind you that also kind of suffered a little bit from the, like
1: the over hype train, uh-huh. G, the overhype train. Well, I was helping with that train. overhype sure. hype train. <laughs> I love it. Well, you know, they want to sell their products, and I can appreciate Which that. Which makes sense. And then, and then, in return, them hyping it up allows us to gain a lot of extra viewers that you know because they're hyped. So I mean, it's. Yeah, it's easy to kind of look at it in a negative, but it also it does help our, us as well as as influencers. Yeah, oh, like to call right. us. Oh, that that word, that dirty word, that
0: word that we get to use now. <laughs> that word that I was like ten years ago would have been like. Uh, <laughs>
1: well, it's funny. Like the there's a, a little circle of guys that um that we're kind of sponsored together by the same company, mm-hmm. and we all interact and we all use it as a dirty word. Like you're the influencer. No, no, no. You're the. <laughs>
0: it's it's your four word. It's your yeah, four letter exactly. word exactly. Not that it's normal or generic, but to jump into our normal questions. Oh, here we go. Are you, are you ready? I don't know. Maybe. How did you get into tabletop gaming? Great question. Did anything specifically lead you from tabletop gaming in general into miniatures gaming? It's kind of a two-parter.
1: Yeah, no, I like it. So it's an interesting thing because so my family has always been very much into like gin rummy rummy card games is kind okay. of how it started okay and so we we're all sitting at the table and we're playing very like i mean grandpa did not care if you lost he was going to try to beat you hard right and so the that mentality then led to you know being raised by a single mom and she's you know dating trying to find love and you go over to her new boyfriend's house and looks turns out he he's playing star trek tabletop game he's playing D and, and and you get exposed to it and you're like whoa this is way better than playing card games right and it you know so it kind of led there and and initially being you know coming from like a low-income family dnd was achievable That was you bought a book or you had somebody else who owned the book and you start role playing. But then as I got to adulthood, then finally I was like, I could buy this stuff. And I started, you know, in my 20s, started picking up stuff. I couldn't buy everything I wanted, but I could start getting into it. And that's kind of how I fell into it and and continues on to this day.
0: And what what was your. So so your introduction was classic gaming. Yeah, exactly. So even
1: playing Monopoly and all that stuff
0: and then you got into the kind of the, the miniature side of it through the D&D exactly okay. cuz
1: D&D was cheap and i can get into it and i had a, another kid i had this little uh, rich kid that lived a couple houses down his parents bought him back in the day the Battletech stuff okay. so, oh, yeah. but that's battle what Tech, but, but he didn't battle have Tech. the miniatures we were playing with the little card cutouts and pushing those kind of miniatures if
0: but you will so soda, soda can battle soda can battle you
1: know what i'm trying you, to say. yeah exactly so we were <laughs> we were pushing those around so those are kind of my those initial dabbles into the tabletop and into the role playing style dabble sure.
0: dabble is definitely a big word here on the podcast double, we, double. we dibble dabble a lot there you go uh okay so how did that transition and maybe you already answered that but how did that transition in warhammer 40k that was that okay in yes your 20s? and that's the
1: little gap so um it was kind of interesting i was in reno and um uh, you know just looking at little random hobby stores and i saw this little place that doesn't exist anymore sadly um it was like heroes minis back in reno they, they went out of business sadly a couple years back but um i went in there just to look around and i'm just like looking at everything and i'm like whoa what is this and the guy's like well we're an official warhammer store you know and and you know what would you like to know and i you know so i started asking questions and i was looking at the fantasy and i was like it's nice but i'm not feeling it you know like i was always like i always like what's that um there's that DD game where they're playing they're on spaceships you know i can't remember the, um Spelljammer. thank you Spelljammer was a, far more interesting to me than just regular DD. um and so then i look over here and i see elves and i'm like immediately like yes so that was my literally my first army was i picked up uh, you know, I picked up a Farseer. I picked up uh, uh, some striking scorpions. You know, they were all metal, uh, and 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 got some paint. And-
0: Podcast, right? Right here. This is a man of culture. <laughs> My first army was also Eldar, so <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I get a lot of crap for it because a oh, lot yeah. of our community are Space marine, and there's definitely that the three pillars space Marines, Eldar and Oryx just and, staring at each other exactly. angrily. <laughs> and,
1: I, and let me explain like my choice for elves and le- let alone, I'm a, uh, I'm a dirty Xenos player as a whole. So here's, here's my reason in real life. I play as a human already. <laughs> so I was like, why would I want to play as a human yeah. in this game? I was like, I'm trying to get away from being a human. <laughs> right. We've, we've
0: also kind of discovered, we've talked about this a couple of times on the podcast. And in fact, last episode we brought it up kind of in a roundabout way, but you know you kind of either you kind of either identify with knights most of our introductions to this stuff was yep. the old sci-fi old fantasy so like tolkien and all that you identify with the knight on the horse space marine player yep. you identify with legolas the elf the ranger yep. or you identify with gimli the dwarf and like a lot of us of a certain age used to really like elves and now we really like dwarves and one of a uh, uh, kevin yep one of my co-hosts is like well right because now you're a crotchety old man and you're stuck in your ways (laughs) and i'm like kevin listen listen you're right but listen
1: (laughs) yeah so and and i and i take it that in a slightly different angle like right so whenever i want to be like more serious and i'm trying to save you know my people then i'm my elf player and whenever i want to just have fun and be crotchety and let's just smash heads i'm like oi you dirty gits. Let's go. It's time. It's let's time get to get the be orcs a and let's go. An orc.
0: Yeah, exactly. Man, the orcs. The orcs are definitely
1: fun. Oh yeah. So that's that's my thing.
0: Your introduction to the Warhammer hobby yes. was in third edition, fourth edition. Oh, good question.
1: It was it was in the like nearing the end of third edition, going okay. into fourth. So I got to I got my uh, battle from a crag box set that i i still got the box i don't really have the models anymore apparently some of that terrain in there's worth a lot more than uh, than uh oh than yeah I, I,
0: I lost that box i lost that terrain that hormigons are up there oh i got you yeah but yeah. the but the terrain is long gone
1: oh yeah and, and the, i went
0: back to like rebuy it on ebay and i was like nah. <laughs> oh, i'm good i'm good i don't have elon
1: musk back when, back yeah <laughs> back when uh back when there was hardly any terrain on the table as it was
0: yeah unless you made it yourself
1: exactly what there is that part of the hobby that is missed
0: I and and you know that I'm trying to bring that back with our with our YouTube content, I trying guess. to bring back that old stuff. But my first box set, yeah, was Dark Imperium, Dark Eldar versus okay. Dark Angels. I don't remember. I think that's how they were painted. I don't remember. Maybe it wasn't Dark Imperium. Dark Imperium may have been the name of the eighth edition box, but that I, sounds I, about I, right. I feel like a lot of them share names. But that was the third edition Dark Eldar that wasn't my first army but that was my first box set
1: yeah i hear you saying i, I, I like just I've remember i remember in fourth a lot of people were playing tau and necron that was my store meta <laughs> tau and necron
0: that was everybody i feel like that was everybody's that's when i got into chaos space marines because i was sick and tired of having my imperial guard my catachans yep. get their ass fucking rocked so i got into word bearers because i was like all right okay, cool yeah. i'll bring chaos space marines to the table and i'll reset the balance didn't it worked it worked until like 6th edition that's funny and then it stopped working <laughs> yep yep it happens all right so which is your favorite warhammer 40k i feel like you already answered this age of sigmar or the old
1: world of warhammer So I can order this, actually. I mean, it's obvious for me. I like future, so we're going with 40K. Um, But I do like Old World because that's what I, you know, like I would do fun games with my friends who had extra armies in Old World, so I was used to it. I was not very good at it. Um, But I. so when I came back, you know, after a long break, finding out that Old World, if you will, Warhammer Fantasy was gone, and I still haven't fully accepted Age of Sigmar. You know, it's almost like an illegitimate child to me. I, so Not to disrespect the legitimate children. Age of Sigmar is an
0: interesting, from a creative writing standpoint, and yep. it, I I played 6th, 7th, 8th, and end times okay. in Warhammer Fantasy Battle, competitively. Very, very competitively. Gotcha. Um, I had a, part of my hobby regrets are I actually also sold my Beastmen army, my Lizardmen army, oh, and my... Tomb Kings army, which I'm very
1: sad about, especially, especially tomb, tomb, Kings. tomb
0: Kings. Yeah, especially Tomb. It might be coming back though. It might be coming I, back. I bet they will. But I, I can't remember. The,
1: I didn't remember if I saw them on the release list. They are on the release oh, list. Perfect. I
0: think they're one of the things that they've been really hyping: are Empire orcs and Tomb Kings. And
1: well, and I know they've been showcasing a lot of bretonians because I know a lot of people yes. just love you know the Bretonian, the
0: yeah. And a lot of that stuff is coming over into Cities of Sigmar, which is pretty cool. I, so. Where was it going? Okay, so yes, I did. When the end times ended and and the Skaven blew up the world because they uh-huh. wanted the Cheese Moon, there you um, go. Which is a very bad way of summing up what happened. And then Sigmar basically created the nine mortal realms, okay. and then Age of Sigmar was born, um, which is what happened essentially. Okay. The old world blew up, and then a new world was made. I was on that like the vi- I was on that vehement old hammer. I don't like it no matter what train. And I stayed there until third edition. Third edition, which isn't really at this point that old for Age of Sigmar, was my first foray back into Age of Sigmar. The whole reason it happened is because the mother of monsters, the like vampire centaur lady, is a
1: beautiful model. Well, they, and and I just had to, I had to buy. I mean, without a question, Age of Sigmar has some of the best looking models. I mean, I feel like that's kind of like GW's apology for what they did. Yeah, is give us some of the best looking models you can get your hands on, without a question.
0: But from a creative writing standpoint, from a world building standpoint, from a fantasy author standpoint, Age of Sigmar is actually doing something new in the fantasy genre. Yeah, bold in the fantasy genre and i think that's why a lot of people don't like it because it's not tolkien people are mad that it's not that's where we
1: that's where we go that one extra step and it's also copyrightable there was some there was some extra details
0: yeah but it's a very interesting piece of world building and the more i get into it the more i like it um uh, now on my third major army um for age of sigmar but I, I know where you're coming from. I still very much love the old world, uh, I but I no longer have this like Age of Sigmar is trash. I have this. Sure, sure. I kind of see the old world flowing into Age of Sigmar now and accept it as one entity.
1: Yeah, I'm excited for the, the return of old world stuff. Very much so. But no. yeah, and, and for me, I think it'll be I'm going to watch and see. I, I'm really curious how it'll go. Um, I mean, when I was playing it off and on, I, I like I said, I like playing the high elves. I liked, I like cavalry and stuff like that. So I can see myself being drawn into either Bretonians or like a, a high elf cavalry army. The number of my forty k armies that
0: have uh, kit bashes that make like bikes or something into cavalry is ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> I like my my boys on horses for some reason. Oh, I hear that.
1: I, I always struggle when it comes to whenever I make even an army. I'm like, is this fast enough? I need more. I need more can speed. It, can I make
0: it? Yeah. Can I get across the table and turn one? Try I hard. can. Uh, yeah, we did. Perfect. I'm yeah. done. <laughs> <Yeah>, exactly. exactly. <laughs> Which appeals to you the most out of the hobby, the lore, the hobby itself, or the mechanics of playing the game, the, the competitive side?
1: I mean, that's a great question, right? And, and uh, I'm kind of a uh, where my emotions on my sleep kind of guy. So it really does kind of change at the moment, but when like, I guess to give a good, clear indication, like when I first started, I was that young guy, like, I want to play games, and they're like, you have to put paints in your models. I'm like, fine, whack, whack, whack. That was how I started, right? I was like, I just want to get my games in, and if people stop complaining, I will paint something. Now, um, I I love game mechanics, and I love figuring out how to solve how I'm going to win my games, but taking the effort to paint my models really brings me a lot of joy, and then with that, I'm now, and guiltily have that guilt of, like, I'm diving into the lore more and more every day, mm-hmm. and really finding that, like for example, like my love for orcs is way deeper now with because of the the lore content that I've consumed than it was before. And that's the same thing with like my harlequins, like the, learning the lore and what their involvement in it just makes me love them even more and make me put more effort into how I paint them. So I feel like it's a try. It's a trifecta. You don't have to be like that. You can definitely only care about the games. But for me, knowing the lore that goes with the army. Then justifies why I play them, which then makes me work harder on how I paint them so they look the way I feel like they should. So that's, I'm weird that way. So I'm avoiding your answer by answering yes. I feel
0: that that's not a bad answer. And that's kind of the standpoint in a lot of ways of a lot of us, a lot of the hosts on the podcast. We obviously lean towards being a lore podcast. We obviously lean towards lore first, with hobby being a second thing, but we all very much enjoy the game. Oh, yeah. Um, And we like seeing the changes that are made. We're all, we're all kind of getting into our first games of 10th and kind of yeah. putting our sea legs on and figuring all that stuff out. I mean, th- exactly. did I call it 10th? It feels like it's You third. said 10th for sure, but yeah. Uh, maybe I meant third. What did That's funny. You? No, well, kidding. you know, it's also that funny. The- it's also
1: funny when someone complains like, oh, that unit's like, they, it's too good. And I'm like, but if you read the lore, you realize it's actually just right. <laughs>
0: and The thing that actually gets me, <clears throat> what really grinds my gears. Oh, here we go. <laughs> is... I'm an Eldar player and I've been an Eldar player for a long time. Yep, yep. And the Eldar have had a habit of being really really good for the first couple of months of an edition yep. and then being trash for the next like it depends it set depends on years. how you play them right
1: cuz I know in 9th edition they they came out them and harlequins came out very strong. Right, and they then it took them like almost a year to tone down Harlequins. They were, but they never truly toned down uh, Eldar completely. They were still competitive all the way through ninth. I feel, Uh, so there's that, and I I agree. Right now, it feels like that again, like where Eldar in a very like. Very, very strong
0: players. they seem very overpowered they they're overpowered enough that people are, are considering banning them well, that, which i don't understand because nobody's actually played a full game
1: well no that's <laughs> not true you got we gotta remember there's play testers and if you go to improbable gaming on youtube you can watch our eldar into Custodies, and it's a very short game <laughs> not a not a uh, normal uh, oh. three hour or four hour game it's uh. an hour and a half game and that was because we're talking <laughs> <laughs> Who got shot off the table? Uh, Custodes lost half their army in uh, turn one. Wow, it was, it was brutal. But that's all I'll tell you.
0: The yeah, you yeah watch yeah, the rest. Just just yeah, don't 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 tease too or tease us. Don't give it away. The first tournament I played in ninth, I took my Exodites. Okay, and I was tabled by a Custodes player in turn two three out of five games Whew,
1: brutal custodians when their book came out they were they were really, very really very good they've been yeah they've been they're always good at being a mid-table uh bully you know and oh yeah right oh, now yeah. they're definitely top meta and i suspect we'll see them starting to win some events as people get used to the how they uh smack us around how they've changed our new golden overlords <laughs> especially once uh elves get smacked with a with a hammer oh yeah well and i'm still gonna play
0: my I'm still gonna play my Exodite. I love my Exodites. I mean, it, it's such well, a heavily you did see that lead, army, right? It looks so. like the
1: Exodites might actually come out with their own little uh, rules and stuff. I'd
0: the- love to see it, but I feel like that's one of the teases that they love to dangle in front of us. I don't know. We're gonna see as it. an Eldar player for the last next book.
1: They might watch. What I really hope for, if I, <laughs> what I hope for, is that Harlequins and Yanari and Exodite get their own book hey, and then, and then leave us alone.
0: <laughs> I feel like that's. I feel like that needs to happen, and we've talked. We've talked about this in our Discord community. We haven't necessarily talked about it on the podcast, but I feel that Craftworld Eldari need a book, yeah. and then the other three
1: that you just mentioned yeah. need a book. Exactly, because I mean, they're, they they have don't different need objectives and they're five they, books. Yeah. We need two. <laughs> oh, I agree. But I mean, there's there's plenty of room for more elves. I just want to say that out loud. Oh yeah. <laughs> well. One of the things that we've done through the podcast is yeah. that we've
0: focused on a faction. Sure. So we'll do, we we did the orcs first, we did sure. the Eldari next, and we did the Imperial Guard third because those are kind of like the pillar. Those are the easy to approach pillars oh, yeah. of the game in a lot of ways. And it gives you a lot of background. And when we did our Eldari faction focus, they, there's a lot of the uh, the common, not common sense, what's it called? Um,
1: I'm worried now. Uh, Oh, man. Where are we going with this?
0: Common knowledge. Not common knowledge. There, there's a term that means like common knowledge or common sense, like everybody uh,
1: knows it. I don't know. Shared viewpoint. I don't, know. I don't shared,
0: know. I'm not thinking of what to call it right now. I, not my enough caffeine. Not yeah, right. Uh, anyway, there's this, there's this kind of accepted common knowledge, if you will. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, wisdom. A sure. Gestalt wisdom. Ooh, he that, likes using big words. <laughs> that the Eldar are a dying race yes however when you really deep dive into their lore and you look at the amount of time that's taken place and you look at the facts that are given out and all of that they do grow they're going to recover very very slowly
1: but i would call them a recovering race i think we're at the phase where they're definitely recovering i mean let's let's look at the fact that a whole uh, yunari can destroy a whole craft world and and create uh you know this god of death but it didn't, it, it's not like that was the end. You know what I mean? Like they're yeah. still doing fine. There's, there's obviously groups that are doing better than others within, within the craft worlds for sure. Um, you know, but I don't feel like, I feel like it's, yeah, we're, it's, the story's not over for them. I think well, like yeah. they've got a plan and I, and I think the reality is what my logic is, is the craft worlds and the Harlequins are going to be the ones that are doing the end time and, and the exodites, if you will, will be the ones that pick up the pieces when they're gone. That's how it feels to
0: me. And the thing is, yeah, to support that, I guess we, we look at the, the common shared thought is one. It's very, very heavy trope in fantasy and sci-fi. Well, in fantasy and 40 K is science fancy instead of science fiction. There you go. Let's, let's (laughs) let's not split hairs. Um, The elves are a dying race that the, The race of men is taking over. The race of elves are dying. It's a very... Tolkien said it, and it's just kind of a yardstick that a lot of this stuff is built off of. However, when you look at the lore, there are hundreds of Exodite worlds, and there were hundreds of craft worlds that escaped when Slanish was born, and the Crone worlds turned into the Eye of Terror. But we have this tendency to look at the Eldari people as being eight craft worlds, two of which are basically completely destroyed. Yep. And people are like, Well, well, of course of course the Eldari are dying. They had eight craft worlds and now they have six. No, they have hundreds because the game that's is. Why specifically, have the worlds stuff, yeah, right. The yeah. the game is specifically designed so that you can make up your own craft world exactly. that's built into the game. Yep. So the idea that the Eldari are almost dead because they only have six craft worlds is just, it's a weird thing. And then
1: people, I mean, and I know we have our dark kin, but they're thriving. Look at them. They, they're, they're doing their raids. They're, they're keeping chaos at bay. Right. They're not gone either. And I know, and we know chaos has, you know, invaded Komaroth and we know other, we've had, they've had other issues, but they're still, they're there. They're still strong and terrorizing rightfully so.
0: I'm I'm very <laughs> much looking forward to covering the Jukari and getting into Kimura because there is a gate. So the the man I think it's the Mandrakes. Don't quote me on this. Okay, I do so much research on so many the bad boys. Yeah, go. on so many different topics that like stuff gets crossed in my head. But there is a door in kimura that basically has don't open dead inside written on it <laughs> i love it and on the other side there's just demons and part of what the mandrakes do is they guard the gate and at some point in eighth around psychic awakening yep. the doors opened uh-huh. and the mandrakes and the incubi basically had to fight the demons back into that chunk of the webway sure, sure. and lock those doors very similar to what the custodes had to do on Terra when Magnus broke into the golden throne. But yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. And I mean, and that's the same thing that's also happened at the black library. They're they're, the, you know, you know, she, who shall not be named, uh, you know, part of the black library is, is held by chaos, right. And it's sealed off and it's only been, the seal has been dropped at one point so they could gather a relic from there. But outside of that, it's sealed off for a reason. Yeah.
0: And again, you've got a, a, a fucking fantastic example the Yanari and the Harlequins, both being sub-factions yeah. of the Eldari people that
1: don't Draw a line between whether or not you're Drukari or Eldari. Exactly, like they they pick they pick who who goes into into do missions based on what they need. Like when they were going, for example, when they went into the, the part of the Black Library that was sealed off, they took they were taking uh you know they were taking people who didn't have the Soul Stones, and you know they were they, they had different mentalities on who they were choosing because they were like, well, Craftworld will draw too much chaos attention. Let's bring Drukari, or in another mission, we're gonna take you know, our best craft world warriors because in this instance we need them. So there, yeah, there's, I like the fact that they're like, depending on the situation, that's who they call upon for yeah. their duty. Uh, they work with the demon fuge. Uh,
0: I can't remember her name completely, but there's a sister at battle,
1: oh, of battle. Oh yes, uh, yeah, I know who you're talking about. I, She's come to the Black Library. I can't remember her name.
0: <laughs> I have her model though. She's a demon. It, it, her title is the demon fuge, but she fought in the slave pits of Kamora. Oh, you're talking about, Are oh, you talking about Lilith? No, or um, where, where are we going? With uh, she's she's back. Uh, yeah, over here. Those the next to the knight. You see all those sleeved. They look like comic books. Okay, yes. The, those are Warhammer monthlies. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, there's extra stories here I'm not aware of.
1: She's in, yeah. Okay, she's so in one she, of those. Is she a human or? Is she's she, a human. She's a, she was a sister of battle, oh, and she's she's the one that was with the the harlequin, right? Yes, and they, the, released, they the released the model came models with together. it. Yeah. Yes, okay, so yeah. now we're on the same page. Gotcha. Um, that her, she's known as the Demon Fuge. I cannot
0: remember her name. Well, as soon as you started this, talking about
1: fighting in, in the you know and all that, I was like, Lilith. Lilith. I was like, hey Lilith, got she's she's downstairs. <laughs> I haven't built her Well, not yet, just but Lilith. She's actually, um, the lady I suddenly can't remember her name. Who was uh, who's leading the Unari? You know, she was a a gladiator and all that stuff and uh, whatnot. So there we go. You have You have rain. Thank you gilliman's gilliman's waifu <laughs> yes what a wonderful waifu I,
0: I'm a... Did, I don't know did you see the there, there is a piece of heretical art that came out of twitter i know it's so weird oh that no. heresy comes from twitter but it's a it's a half elf girl dressed in uh golden artificer armor from the imperium and it is gilliman's daughter it is gilliman's half elf daughter oh, the I new empress of mankind
1: yeah that's not <laughs> oh that's so much heresy i
0: love it it's so, it's so, it's so heresy horrible.
1: detected grab the heavy, heavy flamer yeah, yeah.
0: And, well, and back in second and third edition yeah. half elves were a thing that could exist they don't exist anymore because I, we covered this in our eldari sure. lore faction deep dive the eldari genetic basis Instead of them being descended from primates, they're descended from some sort of feline-esque creature. I got you. So, so there would be no genetic capability. Yeah. Compatibility. We don't, we don't, we don't,
1: we don't hook up with the monkey.
0: We can't do that. that yes, that's right. <laughs> Monkai, if you didn't want to be tortured, why do you have a nervous system? <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. Exactly.
0: <laughs> All right. So now that we're kind of like meandering through the yes. miasma
1: of lore, what is your favorite bit of lore so currently, so, so my favorite lore currently that I've ingested, if you will, is it's come from the book called the the Faltois. And uh, I, I, I just, I had to take a, I went to Warhammer Fest, right? So this, okay. this, we'll get to the, we'll get to the book here in a moment, but I, and I knew I was going to be on this long flight. And so I decided to pick up some audio books and I bought the Zenos collection. And of course it covered, you know, Eldari, it covered, uh, Tao, which I mean, there was an amazing story in there about Tao, and then I got to this uh, this uh, book called The Faltois, and what I just loved the idea that you know I don't want to give it away, but basically in the middle of a big brawl and they're solving this problem with this Faltois, they're and the and the humies are running away, kind of thing. They like the the main character like, well, let's go chase them down, and then the, his sidekick's like, but there's such a great fight right here. Why do we need to go deal with that? Let's keep fighting here, you know. And then he's like, "Oh yeah, and hey, look, there's that war, war boss I hate," and he just kills him. And it clobbers, yeah. You know, and it's just, you know, it just, I love that. Like, you know, when you're when you're reading or listening to like stories of of elves, it's so serious. Every moment is dire. You, you any any moment, it all can go wrong. Right, right. And then when you look at the orc one, and in the middle of this gruesome battle, where they're solving a real problem for them. They, they look over and go, I hate that guy. I'm going to kill him real quick. Yes, he's on my side, but I dislike him. And it just made me chuckle really hard, you know. I
0: can't remember his name, but one of my favorite orcs yes. ever, uh, well, one of my favorite orcs stories, I shouldn't say one of my favorite orcs ever, but one of my favorite orcs stories is there's a war boss yep. who really wants two of his own gun. And he figures out how to time travel into the past and kills himself <laughs> no. so he can get two versions of his gun, oh, no.
1: which is no, just true. like
0: it's only shit the orcs would do. Oh, yeah. Only sure. shit the orcs would well, that's do.
1: That's why, like, in that same in that same thing with the false wall, like, he's going uh, onto this uh, blood axe uh, crash ship that he's on the planet, and he's like, oh, those blood axes, they're they like humies. They're a weird lot. And then he goes on this ship, right, and... All this grot jumps out and he shoots and he misses of course he misses, right? There it works. And he puts a big hole in the wall and the grot's like, Did you do that on purpose, boss? He's like, Of course I did. I wanted to see what it would do to that wall. <laughs> and I'm just like, Yeah. There you go. And I mean, and that part of the story also was hilarious because they, it's like they decide to have this like social commentary like and they go into like the grots are like throw off your shackles brothers rise up against our oppressors the the orc the orcs you know and, and i'm just chuckling right in the middle of this like grot uprising right i right. Guess, you know and uh and then on top of it in that in, in part of the story like they find this like dead orc you know quotation marks and then they start talking to him he's just ahead he's like oh they cut my head off and it's like He's still talking to them. He's just a head, and I just it was, it's funny. Orcs are so hard to kill.
0: the The war <laughs> boss of my orc army, and you know, because I've got my own because we have our own. We all come up with our own lore. Sure, sure. Um, it's Tooth One Tuska. I love it. His head was cut off by a space marine captain. Sounds about right. Uh, uh, um, a chapter master, space marine chapter master, decapitates him. Yep. And a grot, the grot, his grot, yep, runs and like dive bombs and tackles his head as it's drifting out of the space hulk (laughs) so flash forward like four thousand years of imperial history yeah the space hulk returns roughly back to the same chunk of space and there's a new wah boss yeah yeah um who's who's my pain doc there you go and the head and the frozen grot and frozen head bounce off one of the windows on the pain it. doc, the, the, the rip-a doc or, yep. Yep. yep you're goes, on the right track goes, I have a weird experiment idea. Yeah. So he sends another grot out, not in a space suit okay. to get the first grot and head <laughs> and bring him back. So they bring him back. And then he, he has a, a another orc body, who lost his head somehow, definitely not in the medical bay as an experiment. He just lost his head naturally. Yes, Oops. It did not happen in the medical bay at all. But he staples yep. Grit Tooth One Tusk's head I love it. onto this other orc's body, and Grit Tooth just comes back, and it's like, all right, boys, let's get back to fighting. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah, that's, that sounds very orc-y. I it's love just, it. it. It's just the way. You just got to do it. You yeah. got to have a lot of fun. Orcs you have to have fun with. And The universe is so grimdark, Messing with orc stuff is is the way to do it. Yep. So the the book you're talking about is split
1: into three short stories. Exactly, correct? it's more of a short story than it is a novel or anything okay. like that. And yeah, so um, and it yeah, it's just a, it's such a good read, and it's it gets you to me, it gets you a lot of insight into what go- uh, orcs are thinking because like <laughs> they give you a little inner dialogue as the orcs are doing stuff, right? And right, and uh, because I know people always tell me, oh, orcs are so dumb, and orcs don't care about fighting, but then when you listen. To these orc conversations and you're like, dude, they got, they got some stuff going on, bro. They they want to kill you, but, but not for the same reason you're thinking. They're
0: not as (laughs) dumb as people think they are. By and large, the majority of what we refer to as meme lore comes out of the orcs and the chaos space Marines. And a lot of it goes back to like weird things that happened with the old models, like, like Abaddon, the armless (laughs) comes from the fact that Abaddon's, Metal arms used to file off of Abaddon's metal body all the time because they were heavy. Yeah, yeah. It's not that. You gotta pin
1: those suckers in there, people. Yeah,
0: yeah exactly. <laughs> pinning, always pinning. It's not that Abaddon was a bad or ineffectual character at all. Abaddon's lore is actually a, a study in like megalomaniacal single mindedness. He's one of my. Th- favorite fucking characters is he really um, yeah i love I, his whole I, backstory is just it's so interesting
1: I, everything he went through I and i i mean i i know i, I know a little bit about it it's hard for me to like him it's not because i am anti-chaos in that sense i don't know he's just you know he's the poster boy for the bad guy so it's hard for me to uh <laughs> I mean, to dive I into do him i have
0: sure. undivided tattooed on my arms so. yeah yeah <laughs> I,
1: I don't know like for me if i have any gripe with the story when it comes to the human side is it's a it's a little too convenient right and and i feel like like there was there was it was they took the easy path for a lot of things so i'm not always the biggest fan on the marine lore it makes me get a little nauseous but uh, no i'm kidding but uh but yeah i'm just not the he's not my favorite yeah
0: so we just finished up as in last week before yeah, you yeah. and i are recording this episode yes. we just finished up our coverage on Uh-oh. Uh, the Great Crusade. The Great Crusade. It was a four-part episode. Nice. And before that, we did the Unification Wars, and we are going to get into the schism of Mars and the Horus Heresy next. Um, Mars is an interesting story. It, 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 and it, it's, it's all it's, it's a very fascinating. It's, a lot has been written about it, which makes it a very fascinating time period. Yeah. However, the thing that has been reinforced through doing the research, and, and by doing the research, I don't mean listening to somebody who's already covered it on YouTube. I don't mean any of that stuff. I mean, I go to as many primary sources as I can. I, I do an academic level of research <laughs> on the fakest fiction universe. There like, you go, and, right? and it's a thing like there are people who are scholars in Tolkien's world. Yeah. I, give me another five to ten years and I feel like I will be a scholar on 40K. That's Because that's the level of research I do. But the thing that I have really identified as a core to the way that Space Marine lore and the Imperium's lore works, okay. the Imperium's lore and therefore all the lore that we're presented to as players yeah, yeah. is propaganda sure. designed to make you like the Space Marines and hate everything else. And GW doesn't it didn't work, even... It
1: GW, I hate them both.
0: <laughs> <And> <laughs> I hate chaos and them. And GW doesn't <laughs> even lie about it. No, I agree. GW says the books that the the codexes are represented as imperial scholars, yeah. and then it's put through the administratum's propaganda machine before it's released. So it anything sense. you read is essentially through that lens. And like, that makes sense. You realize that the emperor wasn't thirty feet tall, and he wasn't a guy. Go- the shit, emperor go he was about as tall as the tallest primarch. So we're at oh. about nine feet tall. Okay. Yeah. But propaganda makes him twenty feet tall. Yeah, yeah. Um, he was a a deeply flawed individual. Sure, well, that's that's definitely apparent. And, and, and it, it, the Horus Heresy is his fault. No, I agree. I think. He, I mean, it's also the well, Primarchs' I, fault.
1: I, but <laughs> well, I agree. But I mean, they're they're they reacted in a way that I think one thing you could say about the Horace Heresy literature is that the, they acted like immature. They Ima- acted like children for sure. Immature children, and, and like yeah. from a, a perspective as a father and a parent, right? Like. I see a dad who was very selfish, who kept secrets when he didn't need to, and pitted his children against each other un- needlessly. right? Just to see what would happen. Just, yeah, and and then turn around and be like, "Why'd you turn to chaos?" Is a very like, I mean, there's dads like that. So I guess the reality is it's based off of whoever wrote that, based off their family. <laughs> uh, I think like their their family is heavily divided, and that's what we're seeing. Like yeah. wh- whoever, like Bill McConney. Whatever we'll make up a name for him. Wrote that story. That's hey, his family right there. Hey Rick Priestley, I know that you
0: currently own <laughs> Warlord Games, which probably means there's a greater chance that you'll hear the podcast than anybody that works for GW. So if you're hearing this podcast, get in contact with us under the of madness at gmail.com and and send me a letter. We would like uh, we'll bring on a psychologist, <laughs> and we will talk about why you designed. The Horus, because that's the thing that a yeah, lot of yeah. people don't understand. The The basic building blocks of the Horus heresy, they are in the Rogue Trader book. Oh, sure, sure. They've been expanded. Yeah, yeah. But they were there. But well, let's the be honest, were there.
1: people create what they know. Yeah, right? exactly. They, they put it into a new shell, but it's based off your own life experiences. So, whoever wrote this tragic story, I'm so sorry for what your family's like. And I feel for you.
0: It, it, yeah, the Emperor saw it, the Primarchs as tools. Yeah. He created the Primarchs because the perpetuals that he had gathered around himself mm-hmm. left because he was a megalomaniacal maniac yep. and they were tired of his shit. Yep. So, well, if I can't get people to be my allies, I'll make my own allies.
1: Yeah, I want like, to make my own friends.
0: Yeah, and then they get scattered to chaos because their mother doesn't want them raised in this horrible situation Yep. and is, you know, in her emotional state is manipulated to make a mistake or sure. or it was going to happen anyway we're not we're not quite sure on yep, that yep and then you so that's all happening so he view he doesn't view these as sons he views this as as disposable tools and
1: that's yep. a major problem Well, that's, but the only problem with that logic too, like I I hear what you're saying, I don't totally agree with him is that he sees him as disposable tools because if you think about that, what about Angron? Angron should have been tossed in the garbage immediately. I can find you the pass. Well, Angron served a purpose. Well, he did. I just feel like from my perspective, he should have been culled the moment they they saw the problem.
0: And so, and technically so should kind of Magnus, but Magnus, he wanted Magnus. Magnus was built to be a battery.
1: Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, he's going to set him in the golden throne and leave him there.
0: Angron was a curiosity that the emperor wasn't expecting to come across. The emperor is having a conversation with a uh, a magus of the tech priesthood. Sure. And they're specifically looking at so the magus has come in as a medical professional to essentially look at Angron and try to figure out how to remove the butcher's nails. Yeah. Because they because he wants to save Angron's life. And there is a conversation between this doctor and the emperor where the emperor says this is my tool and my tool has been more efficient. Been made more efficient with this with this thing that makes him Yeah, yeah. bloodless. The only thing I care about medically is whether or not this is advantageous for me to do
1: to others. Ah, yeah, yeah, That's a good point.
0: And and it's like this, clinical detachment and almost like it's a kid with an ant farm.
1: Well, yeah. Well, and if you think about it too like I I always like to hypothesize like we know that Some of his children, right, can see into the future. Not always seeing the exact same future, but they can see. And these are all taken from him. So that tells me that he is seeing multiple possible futures. Yeah. And then he's playing the odds. Yeah, he's playing the odds. Like, where will this go? And then the idea that chaos will potentially be ultimately be beaten if all mankind is gone versus if they survive and demons continue to thrive, (laughs) right? So it's, like, makes you wonder, like, was he being... A bad dad, and this person because he was, or was he doing this because he had before, to? Yeah, he had to to get the potential outcome he's he's hoping for. And I think that's the pro. I think that's the beauty of the propagandized
0: spin is we're supposed to think that way yeah. because the imperial scholars are supposed to think that way. Oh yeah, it's it's very in- and uh, so the psychology on the other side, the psychology on the Primarch side is you have people who at six years of age are six and a half feet tall, able to bench press a car and leading armies, which is it being that you're a father and being that we've already had a little bit of, of kind of armchair psychology conversation. The human brain is not well developed at six years old. Sure. A lot of bad having that amount of power turns you into a psychopath. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, these are fundamentally broken adults. Oh yeah. (laughs) Who are found In there, you know, Horus when he was like nineteen or twenty. Horus, arguably being Horus and Sanguinius, arguably being and the Lion, yeah, yeah, arguably being the three that are the most mentally stable. I I guess Dorne could be in there. There's there's a handful. There's there's a there's a couple. Yeah, um, arguably being the most mentally stable and the most advanced, but even at that point they were found at like 19 or 20 and then they were told you now need to conquer you now need to run a jihad on an entire planet and to get to but you you mentioned dune earlier yeah yeah that's the thing that's messing with paul in dune and paul's that same age paul understands he can see into the future he sees the jihad that's coming he sees that an entire galaxy is going to drown in blood in yep. his father's name yep.
1: and it fucks with him so what did it do to horus Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. No, I agree with you. I mean, there's, it's definitely interesting. Um, take on it, and you know, it's there's no, Hmm. yeah. I don't have a great answer for you. It's just, it's just, it it things.
0: Warhammer thoughts, tinfoil hat territory. (laughs)
1: But yeah, no, I agree with you though. I mean, it's a lot on their shoulders. But I mean, if you think about it, it's not so far taken from our own past, right? Where you know, where people didn't even live past thirty in many instances, and kings who had no real training became kings when their dads died at such a young age when they were like six or seven exactly and then they had to lead a country or in in many cases be usurped assassinated or whatnot i I think we've 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 seen this in our own history right and it's it's reflected in our in our art if you will
0: yeah Uh, the other thing that i come back to is so at this point the creation of warhammer content kind of exploded yeah and and it's amazing because it's growing our community it's growing every yeah i like it but one of the things that i've come across a lot is as let's say 35 to 45 year olds when we start to prostrate we're bowing now that yeah it's not the word i wanted sometimes i'm good with five letter words or five cent words Uh-oh. today is not one of those types when we start to get to the point where we're hypothes that's the word i want to okay. we're hypothesizing about like well what would the reality of a space marine be a lot of us have a tendency to be like well i could kick 10 nine-year-old's asses well no you couldn't have you ever actually fought a nine-year-old i would love to let's do this I, it's not gonna go <laughs> as well as you think it will be but the reason that the Astartes. Uh-huh recruit between nine and 12 is because one, you are coming, your hormones are starting to do their thing and they need to get those hormone, they need to get those hormone gene seed into you yep. to make you crazy as soon as possible. That that's the first part from a physiological standpoint, oh, yeah. from a mental standpoint, you are incredibly easy to manipulate between nine and 12 years old. Yep. And anthropologically speaking, yes. we can look at, cause you just brought this up with our own history. We can look at modern events and yep. see why that nine to 12 year old range That is the range that a street gang recruits soldiers. Oh, sure, yeah. It is the age that child soldiers in Africa, unfortunately, are recruited to fill that role. And the Space Marines, again, looking at history, the way that the lore is designed, they looked at that darkness, that fact that, yeah, 9 to 12-year-olds, that's a bad, that is a very... Not bad. That's a very unstable and easily manipulated age range.
1: Sure, sure. Good stable home.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So being, you know, here's a balter. Go kill. As yeah. a nine year old, oh,
1: unlimited power. I got this. <laughs> well, yeah, and, and, and you know, yeah, and and get, and telling them that they're they're chosen in a sense by God, and also it definitely gets them motivated and generally loyal. Right. You're, you're chosen by God, but I'm not God, but I'm God, but I'm not God, oh, but yes. I'm all powerful, but I'm not God. <laughs> well, that's the beginning, right? That's the, that's where he confused everyone. It definitely didn't help the situation. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. Logar would probably have never wandered if he just would have said, yes, I'm God.
0: It. it we actually – so we covered, we covered the raising of monarchia and then Logar going uh, and finding Cadia and starting – to talk about the primordial truth and all of that. There was a moment after the fall of Monarchia where I feel that if the emperor had sat Logar down and said, listen, this is why religion is dangerous. Yeah, I understand what you see in me, but this is the danger of the warp. And this he could have yeah. saved Logar from falling even after, even with telling Logar. Yeah. Logar was incredible. Logar was designed to be... Loyal and all of the original Astardace legions, they were all designed to fulfill a specific type of warfare. And the Imperial heralds who became the word bearers, were designed to be the propaganda machine. Yeah. As soon as you lie to your propagandist (laughs) and you push your propagandist away, your propagandist is just going to go to the person who's going to pay him. If you lie to your marketing team and stop paying your marketing team, your marketing team is going to go market for your enemy there you go and like analogy yeah no i like it all right all right so sorry (laughs) that's how it happens when you run a lord podcast we we lord tangented for a bit there what are your three
1: top hobby tips ah so top hobby tips sure well let's see um i guess it starts off with you know take care of your brush like so we express ourselves through the use of a brush on our models and I know a lot of people will be like oh get a cheap brush you know or some people say get an expensive brush i say get the brush you can afford but take good care of it because the better you take care of that brush the more comfortable you get with it the better you can express yourself and your art if you will okay on your model so that's kind of my first hobby tip: take good care of the tool that we use to express ourselves uh, my next one my big hobby tip is don't be afraid to get out of your comfort zone like there you don't have to try to be the most skilled you don't have to you know do that but but try to regularly like change it up yeah well don't stick to it like like there's a certain recipe you figure out and you do for like every model i even find myself trapped in that but don't be afraid to like try something new like it grows your skills gets you more comfortable it's kind of my mentality and then you know, that's, that's the way I look at it. I'm always trying to something new, experiments a little bit. So don't be afraid of that. And then I guess the, the final the final hobby tip I, I would have really comes down to, you know, don't – I guess it's my favorite statement. I've been saying it a lot lately is th- uh, comparison is a thief of joy. Only care about what your stuff looks like. And then are you better than you were yesterday? If you're busy looking at, you know, some famous YouTuber – and how well they paint you're never going to be happy with where you are and if anything you may get frustrated and stop but if you're only yeah. worried about your accomplishments and where you're at and are you better than you were yesterday i think you'll keep hobbying and you'll be much happier i i think it's important to
0: to to modify your last point not to modify to add on to your last oh, point he's adding people i think it's important to look to other painters for inspiration for inspiration yes but but then yeah. but not, not as a barometer yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah i really like that i like the way that you put that
1: as someone who's yeah. a nurse as someone who's you know who's you know learned about humans as a general thing we're n- i would love to say that we are all equal i think what we are is we all have things we're better at than other people yeah and so some people are just always going to be an amazing painter and other people will have to work very hard to even get half of what, what the skill they have, and it's better to accept where you're at than to you know to beat yourself up. Yeah, I, in my personal life
0: experience, both myself and my little sister have art degrees. Sure, I have often described my little sister as having more raw talent in art than I have trained education art in my pinky. Like like my sister naturally understood so much about art yeah yeah that I had to be one trained in and two I may not still be that good at. And part of that is is what you're saying because it's always that you're always going to hate your stuff more than you hate somebody else's. But just her natural raw talent is way above and we both pursued art degrees. Yep. Uh, one of us works as an engineer one of us works as an artist <laughs> uh, There you go. <laughs> but i it's just that's the thing it, and it's it it's always bl- her her skill has always blown me away she's a, anyway i not not to toot her horn
1: but yeah yeah, yeah. no and I, um, I know people like that as well like i used to play semi-professional paintball like trying to i was trying to be a pro paint uh, paintball player back in the early 2000s stuff and i have a friend who like he barely practices he's still a pro player to this day and he barely tries and then he'll just blow you out of the water yeah yeah it's so happened. good you're like, and you're just like are you kidding me? and i was i remember i was sponsored i had i was working for a paintball field i was playing like almost every day and he would come out once twice a week he was you know he was going to top tier events and winning it. and you'd play <laughs> him and he'd be like oh i shot you oh i shot you and you know what I mean? You run into <laughs> these people that are john wicking it and you're over yeah. here like are you kidding me right i'm now? working so hard <laughs> why can't i keep up with you there are just people like that and you have to accept it yeah that's how it is yeah it does it
0: it totally happens okay warhammer yes tin foil hat moment oh goodness what is your warhammer conspiracy theory it doesn't have to be related to 10th edition but what is your current warhammer conspiracy theory
1: well i'm trying to look at this in a, in a different way but i know that my the thing that i'm hoping is coming and i'm if you will my doomsday preparation for is that Fulgrim's coming and yes oh, so okay. i've got it. my emperor's Love children it. in the works i'm not working on like full time because i feel like i have time right and we don't we don't see an emperor's children codex anytime soon so i have to, i'm going to continually paint them little by little but probably end of 10 i'm yeah just like they did with world leaders i'm mm-hmm. feeling like fulgrim's coming i'm preparing for his arrival all hail fulgrim and that that's my big thing i think that we're gonna see i'm, I'm torn i like i kind of want to see Dorn come back as well i think the balancing of of chaos and and you know if you will good, I think that it would be great. You know, I mean, I want something like that coming back, right? I want Vulcan to come back. You want Vulcan the Eternal? Yeah, um, yeah but, I mean, I
0: mean, they're all it, it, they're all perpetual. I just don't but, want yeah. any
1: Space Wolves shenanigans. Ugh. Like, give me no, none of that stuff. So, I bet that's probably what it'll be. We'll probably have a half demon Primark we'll, we'll of Lehman a Space Run, Wolf yeah. back, Lehman Rust running around going. Rrr! But the reality is, I, I'd like to see Fulgrim back, and then I'd like to see. Like a, another Primark, and I'm kind of leaning. I just love how Dorn is like, both very like he's noble, he, yes, but he's very so confident he, in himself, just like his people. <coughs> Excuse me,
0: Dorn is the Jesuit priest, like I, you know, the Black Templar of the Crusaders, Yep. super suspicious, and Doran that the the order that they came off of was, yep, yep. was the Jesuits. Yep. Um, and I think you can draw a lot of lines between a bunch of different ones I, the, the ones that, that if we're going to get to a Primarch's coming back I'd love to see Vulcan come back because yeah. all the reason that Vulcan can't come back is because somebody has his head in a box somebody has his hand in a box and somebody has his liver in a box and they're nowhere near each other yeah. um, it would be a great book <laughs> I'd love to see <laughs> it'll be Abaddon Abaddon will be like you know what I haven't had a good fight in a while I'm going to go find go. all the parts of Vulcan and put them back together <laughs> um, no I take that back it'll be Trazan <laughs> it'll totally be treason he'll be like i gotta collect them all uh and i'd I'd love to see um ferris manis come back and i realize that that is shooting for the moon but um i would love to see g-dub officially recognize the lost and the
1: damned as an army that would yeah that would be really interesting for sure yeah there's a lot of possibilities in there but yeah, I mean, if I had to just go with the most basic thing that a lot of people want, Chaos and Space free wise, those would be you know, my... Fulgrim. Fulgrim, for sure. I think he's due. Um, I, You know, at first I used to... I, I still like him a lot, and my original thought was like that, the statement he said where he's like, I didn't I didn't fall to Chaos. I chose Chaos. But then when you re- look at the lore and you find that really he was too easily
0: manipulated. Well, and, and one of the things that I find interesting is the lore is ambiguous enough that Is Fulgrim trapped... The lore is ambiguous enough that it paints a picture that Logar him... uh, Not Logar. Fulgrim himself is just trapped inside his own mind and there is a demon that is in Fulgrim in
1: charge of Fulgrim's body. Well, yeah. Whenever Fulgrim doesn't make a decision the demon agrees with, it overrides him. Right. Right. Like like when he was firing on that one fleet and initially he was ordering... He was going to say not to. Yeah. And then he the voice in his head told him to and he he was like huh and he just he was so easily manipulated he just listened to the second voice which is yeah. like it's like come on bro
0: which which paints this picture which paints this horrible picture talking about horror movies and psychology of just like this this little kid trapped in a cage inside his own mind and he just he cannot make
1: he can't he's he can't second, do the right thing he, na- he just naturally like second guess yeah. the voice he hears and he's like no but I'll go with the second one it's weird, but yeah, no, it, it'll be interesting to see him. I think he, he, you know, we'll see how powerful they make him, right? Because they know they don't like having Death Stars in the game. Yeah. So he'll, he sh- hopefully won't be like, uh, um. oh, I forget the new demon's name. The the one for the whole uh, Arcs of Omen. Uh, Vashtar. Vasht- Vashtar, yeah, Vashtor, the Ark of or, Yes, Ark Like you are, you know, like he, they justify his, uh, why he looks bad on paper in the book because he can't fully draw upon his strength in the warp. And so that's, you know, that's how he's not as powerful on paper, right? Right. Uh, and you hear that in the lore when you look at the, at the you know, the Arch of Omen. But I hope they don't do that here, too. I want him to be like a real, at least not broken, but yeah, you want to bring him. I do. I do also,
0: I, now that you bring that up, if I had a million dollars and I could take a half a year off to focus on one hobby project, it would be buying you know, whatever, $3,000 worth of the Hedonites of Slannish, oh, Okay, yeah, yeah. And then $3,000 worth of Space Marines and <laughs> making
1: an Emperor's Children Army. Yeah, that, that could be really, really interesting for sure. That's, that is also my concern because I have Space Marines and stuff. I, I, I bet if we get, like, chosen... Well, not chosen well i bet we'll have our own chosen i'm sure they'll get their own like terminator it won't be like an eight bound obviously yeah like world eaters but they will be there'll be something like that for sure yeah so yeah it, it'll it'll be just uh, a nice set of fucking tailored
0: noise marines uh, yeah
1: i'm wondering because well see i've got the noise marines i took from horus heresy and i'm using them because i think they look amazing um as they are but yeah who knows what what that'll become right
0: it'd be it'll be interesting what are the plans for improbable war gaming moving
1: forward? So yeah, so my my big goals here for me and the channel is that I've kind of I brought on I brought on two guys to kind of help diversify the the strategy. I want to reach out to as many as people I can. So adding, you know, this the crusade kind of stuff and narrative play. And we're doing that with Horace Heresy. We're trying to bring in some narrative play with um, Night Lords versus uh, Dark Angels is kind of our first narrative. Okay, okay. Narrow story for the horror side. And then I want to get some of this fourth tyrannic war narrative going, but I don't want it to be focused specifically on Space Rings. I wanted, I'm having orcs because orcs, you know, orcs are coming in here to play and, and, and I want to develop that. But then, so the whole idea is that my my plan and what my strategy has been is I've been involving more and more of my community, more of my Patreons, having them come on the channel and play. And I want people to see our Iowa community online. Okay. While you're going to see me playing against uh, against our friends and our and and all that, but just seeing our community in general, and then just trying to trying to grow the idea that you know, yes, you can have a battle report channel, you can have a narrative channel, and it it can involve your community. Where I you know, you look at like other bigger streamers and i won't mention names because i'm friends with some of them and i don't want mad at me but they're 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 playing for your enjoyment and i want you guys to see us as you know you it's kind of you could come on and play too if you're if you're local and and i'm not worried about you killing my whole family we're probably <laughs> gonna have you come on the stream and showcase because here's the thing like like we were talking about privately when i was trying to play multiple armies you know and trying to showcase multiple armies i make mistakes because oh, yeah. I, I can't, can't remember play, everything. You can't remember everything. And then you're playing your you're playing the rules of one army with another one. And then it's like that doesn't work. This way, you're seeing armies that are played at a much more knowledgeable level mm-hmm. and, and, and that makes it more enjoyable. So that you're not yeah. watching your favorite army and going, that's not what we do. So my goal is like trying to involve a community, trying to do things right, but not being something that we're, you know, like we're not above you. We're we're a part of your community. We want you involved. We want to be involved with you. And let's showcase what Iowa does, right? Because Iowa often is not thought of at all when it comes to the, the national. Outside of our, our be... political spectrum, we're not thought of. Yeah. I want us to be and oddly known enough, as a gaming place. We've got, and it's so weird
0: because we've got some of the, I mean, players from Iowa consistently
1: place in the top 20. Exactly. In the tournament scene. Exactly. I mean, the team that I play on the rolling sixes, like when we went to LVO, we finished in the top 20%. Oh yeah. The team wide, we were in the top 20% at LVO and we're from a, what would be considered a very backward state, if you will. It's like, a, very it's, rural.
0: It's very interesting
1: how people who are
0: not from Iowa view Iowans. Cause I, you know, I, I say Ope now, so I'm an Iowan. It's, it's go. happened. Um, uh, I, California with Washington state born california boy who yep. transplanted to iowa I, I, I starting to get that iowa pride pretty deeply and I, yep. every once in a while i hear something from somebody who's not from iowa a comment about iowa and i'm like look we're not
1: all we're not all corn farmers no <laughs> very few of us are corn, yeah. corn farmers no i agree <laughs> you know it's funny yeah. like i i know when i first came here i was not exactly excited about coming here you know because i was from the west coast yeah and i've lived on the east coast and i i thought of myself like different but you know after being here 15 years like one of the one of the nicest compliments i got from somebody was, well there's it was you you know you've been here that long you're definitely an iowan which initially i probably if if you would have gone back you know 10 15 years ago i probably been like oh that's offensive but now i'm like you know there's there's that's not a bad thing there's there's a lot of special things about the midwest that you you know and a lot of you know the strong family feeling yeah there's you know not everyone agrees here but we we all see iowans as family which is something special and then what's funny is you know when i went to like england warhammer fest just a few months back people didn't know where i was from they're like what's that accent and finally i was like this is a midwest accent you don't hear it because yeah you're used to california accents and the stuff in the movies but yeah we sound different too and i and that's something else which makes us unique right we got our own accent we got our we have our own subset of culture yeah and there and like you said we we take 40k seriously and when we show up to a tournament we mean it that, and i love that about this community
0: not not only that but like not to tutor our not to tutor. yeah we're parents, gonna it's all about iowa I'm going to toot our own horn for a minute. Yes. A lot of the music that has enriched all of your guys' lives for the last like 30 to 40 years comes out of this corridor. You know, admittedly, yes, a lot of it comes out of Minneapolis, but Minneapolis is like two and three and
1: a half hours north of us. The best way I look at it is I take it from a quote from a movie, Salt Lake City Punk. Yeah, SLC Punk. Hell yeah. yeah. When they're like, when music comes from a, oppressive area it comes with fire and passion oh yeah and that's why the metal that comes from here is oh, yeah. amazing the metal, that's why yeah. you know you look at like places like new york where people were like in squalor while the rich lived above them and the punk rock came uh, with such rock, passion yeah. it tore
0: out of exactly it. yeah punk rock came out of of you know like you said new york and um manchester yeah yeah, Manchester. Yeah, I mean, like, and people don't think about it, and it, it yeah, yeah. Anyway, sorry, I'm sorry. No, I'm no, sorry. I agree with you. You're not we, talking over we, me. We, we, we talked about we talked about starting a punk rock podcast exactly. at some point. So, so. so, that's the way I look at it. Like, right yeah. when
1: you come from states like this, where yes, there is a conservative, you know, without you know a strong conservative, a uh, you know feeling here. Yeah, the whatever we can do outside of that is fueled by lots of passion oh yeah and it's you know and and i think that's what we see it in our gaming we see it in our music and we and and honestly we have some amazing food you would never realize here
0: i've spent a lot of time in the foreign country of china there you go um for my work and i have a very deep appreciation for real chinese food yeah and I don't care if you're from San Francisco or New York and you think that your Chinatown has real Chinese food. It does not. Real Chinese food, the closest to mainland Chinese food I have ever had, has been in Iowa and Iowa and Wisconsin. And that's because there is a
1: huge Chinese population here. Yeah. And Iowa has a very strong connection to China. We, even, yeah. uh, even our, our last ambassador, right? Or our current, I'm not I haven't kept track, is, you know, he's from Iowa. He's, you know, we have a very strong connection to China. We sell them a lot of we sell them a lot of products, people. Soybeans, for instance.
0: And when they uh, and when they um the, when they lose their balloons from their gender reveal parties, we scramble our F35s from this state to shoot them down. I I I don't know where oh, that no. came from. Well, way, we're, we're definitely on a tangent. But back
1: to 40k for sure. I would love 40k for the most oh, yeah. part and it's getting oh, yeah. bigger and I think COVID played a huge part of that as well. COVID definitely played a beach part.
0: I, I remember what I wanted to ask you about. So you yes. brought it up twice now. Woohoo. Give us
1: the the was this your first Warhammer Fest? Okay, perfect. So so what so I think you're asking are you asking me like about Warhammer Fest specifically or are you asking about me traveling to Warhammer stuff? What do you want to I, I want to know your experience at Warhammer Fest. Okay, so okay, that's a good that's a good question. I know we'll start with I know that a lot of people were complaining about Warhammer Fest and I think and a lot of them were Europeans right And in in that instance a lot of people who went to Warhammer Fest that was their vacation right so they, they went there to do Warhammer when I went to Warhammer Fest that was a business trip mixed with a vacation so yes I was there to play 40k and be a tournament player yes I was there to create content and do that right that was my business side of it but then the other side of it was I I'm the first family member you know, my family is originally from England, so I'm the first one to return. So for me, this was like going to Mecca, if you will, to see where my, my family's from Northern England. So this was like a big deal to me to see where my family's from. And so I was there for so many reasons. So I enjoyed it as a whole. But now when I look at it holistically, right, and, uh, and from a perspective of a fan, there was things that GW missed. For example, GW should have had some authors there to talk about books and yeah and motivations and and ideas gw should have had you know model artists there about talking about their like because you know like when you go to anime's um anime expo for example or something big like that there are voice actors there there are artists there there are like producers and all sorts of stuff but you get to talk to them about what we love from the perspective of someone who's involved in its creation yeah and that was missing yeah. gw uh, you know in this from a point of love GW approached it as a miniatures event around a tournament and 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 but sold it as a convention exactly when it was what they should have done is it's a, a convention who was having a tournament right if they would have done that and they would have had you know those opportunities to do q and a's and things like that, I think they could have really made it an amazing event like it was a good event for me but it could have been an amazing event. It, it also sounds
0: like so I don't know if you listen to her content but Rogue hobbies.
1: Yep, she was there for sure. I'm I'm still kicking myself because I did see her but because she was dressed up like a Battle she a Sister a, a battle, battle Sister yep. I did not even occur to me and then like when I saw her stream I was like yeah i i think i love her energy Wait, lauren I, is, is
0: her name lauren yeah i think that's correct i really love your content if you somehow found the podcast and are listening to this episode and it's your first one i'm sorry that i am blanking on your name right now but i love your content and i love i love the stuff that you bring rogue yeah. hobbies is a great
1: channel if you it haven't really watched is. it yet and i i mean she brings such amazing energy I, her art style is very different you know than yes. mine but I, I really respect it and she, brings she definitely a pers- has a heavy and heavy metal style. Yeah, And she brings uh, a perspective that we desperately need right in our, in our hobby. And it's, it's great that she's here. Um, and I wish I could have met her because uh, that would have been amazing. Her seeing her breakdown of what happened at
0: Warhammer Fest and, and being an event manager, being a, yep. a, a retired event manager, you I, I ran gaming conventions in Southern California for about 10 years. I, I know I, I can combine her feedback as being somebody who worked for Warhammer Specialty for Forge World sure, sure. and my experience as somebody who's running gaming conventions and kind of see the weird intersection that this year of Warhammer Fest hit. Yep. Warhammer Fest grew exponentially and they were not ready for it to grow exponentially, and and this is a common thing that happens to conventions. I can point to Anime Expo went through that. You brought up Anime Expo, AX went through this in about two thousand one, two thousand two. Yep. Um, uh, Comic Con went through this in about two thousand five, two thousand six. Sure. There's a year, there's an event or two that are just a little rocky. Uh, Penny Arcade Expo has gone yep. through it too, where like the 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 uh, the the guys in the garage, if you will, the people in the garage, the kids in the hall, yeah. if you will, whatever one of those terms that you want. I like it. They've outgrown that into the next thing, but because they've outgrown that into the next thing, there's not a lot of like idea of where they need to go. And yeah. from an outsider perspective with event management experience, that's what I see happened. And I don't think that's GW's
1: fault. It is. But we'll keep going. I'll tell you more why in a
0: second. Okay. I, I just think it <laughs> I think it's something they it, well, it is GW's fault, but it's not GW's fault for their for their reason of They're lucky
1: G- they've grown as much as they have, for sure. They, right. But they're not keeping up with it.
0: But it's but not he- them being willfully evil. It's, no, It's they not. didn't hire an event manager. Yeah.
1: And so here's the thing like I know I've I've been lucky enough to help set up a GW event per you know I've I I made friends with some of the GW guys and I volunteered to help set up so I got to see some of the behind the scenes at other uh, other events right and what I what I got to see and learn is that they're heavily focused on the the gamers having a really positive experience that's constantly right. what they're focusing right. on and I think that when they're thinking about how a tournament player feels how casual players are feeling about playing. They're so focused on that they f- they don't they're like you said they're not even realizing there's there's people coming purely to check out new models check out the new games check out the stuff they kind of forgot about it they're they're it. missing the culture that exists around yeah, the game because, they're mid- the forest
0: through the trees because exactly because right yeah. now
1: every GW event outside of Warhammer Fest is and it always has it seems like it always has been is geared towards. Um, the gamer right now what i can say at kc is i'm seeing them starting to recognize that there needs to be diversity so like at warhammer fest they were like and i was talking to some of the cosplayers that when they when the cosplayer 40k cosplayers first approached gw they were like what do what and they and it took a little bit of effort but the the english cosplayers managed to convince gw that they had value and yeah. that it would bring something and so they have embraced that but it was but not quickly right but what i i can say in a positive note is um, the tos, the American tos that were at Warhammer Fest that I know, who now are in America, they they had some cosplayers at Kansas City, which is it's nice to see that from the year before they didn't, and yeah. this year they did. It was a nice improvement. They are starting to, but I think, I think that they're in in a sense they've been doing the same thing so long. How do you, how do they take a chance? And I think that's where they're at. They're at this spot of. Trying to take a chance, but it's a risk. And I don't know how willing they are yet to do it.
0: It's also going to, in, in from an event management standpoint, it's also always going to kind of suffer from the E3 quotient. Because to be very, very clear, uh, a good community convention, a good community, a good convention, a good gaming convention is not focused on one I uh, one IP it's yeah. not focused on one intellectual property yeah. the reason that Adepticon is as successful as it is is the reason that Penny Arcade Expo is as successful sure. as is the reason Gen Con is successful as it is is because none of those are focused around one IP they're kind of embracing all of it and the reason that things like E3 mm-hmm. suffer and that that the, the kind of late late stage Comic-Con Sure. If, you, if you want to say is kind of suffering from, is they're becoming industry-focused. And in Warhammer Fest, which I really want to go to. You would um, love it. Come with me next time. Uh, hell yeah, let's do it, uh, is it. It's starting to suffer from, in, in my opinion, it's starting to suffer from industry focus. It's an industry-focused event, which have a very good place, but a lot of the attendees are expecting
1: a con- a, a fan convention, yeah. if you will, and GW can fix this super easy right oh yeah you know what they do they reach out to a, a, a real a, a truly diverse convention group right like like I said like looking at anime or something like that, grabbing one of their people like even if it's for just this one time and learning from them and maybe even sending GW people to other conventions other conventions so they can like learn because it's it's to to only look inwards and try to find the talent you need when the talent has no experience with it is probably not going to work. Like that's like kind of what I've done with my channel, right? Like initially, like I'm, I'm an okay artist. I'll never say that I'm a good one. I know people, some people say I'm a good painter, but I realized that I'm an okay hobbyist. Okay. Painter. So what did I do? I reached out to someone in my community that I saw as amazing artist, Brandon pillow. Right. And I was like, dude, you've got what I, I think would work well with this. Come over here. Let's hang out. Right. And then, and and, finding, and I think GW needs to do the same thing, is look outwards and yeah, look at what other yeah. people are doing well and be like, can you come and work with us for a while? And I think they'll grow in a way that they would never expect.
0: Yeah. Well, and, and not only that, but if uh, Games Workshop does happen to find this podcast before the next Warhammer Fest... I'll send it to my friend I, over at GW. I do know <laughs> some... Um, Local content creators here in the Midwest that would be more than willing to do a live podcast at your event. That would be a Hint, <laughs> hint. Let's, hint, it. Hint, drop, let's go. Drop. I right, wanted. Yeah. Yeah. I want Imagine a podcaster. It would be so much fun. Well, thank you very much for coming on this for community sure. spotlight. It's amazing. Um, it. I definitely would like to have you back. We'll have to figure out what we can yeah. work on. Well, I know.
1: It out. I know that. Like we were talking, and and maybe I'm speaking preemptive. But I think that let's work on like having you come on my show. Let's Hell do yeah. some state stuff. And then, yeah, we can. You know what I think would be fun is we got this initial talk, and then we do our crusade, and then we could do like a wrap up to conversation about the story and stuff, or even a mid. Uh, or, yeah, like, we a could couple, do like yeah. yeah, we could have like oh, here's where the story is now, and then we can finish. Yeah, I think that would be exciting because we could that would allow the two the two channels to cooperate together yes. and create really amazing content. I, I would love to see that. That'd be awesome for sure. All right. Building well, that community, people. Hell yeah, hell yeah. Well, that will wrap it up for our
0: community spotlight here with Steven from Improbable Sixth. Order Gaming yes if you have any questions for steven you can reach him at
1: oh well i guess the easiest way is why don't you jump in our discord Discord. but outside that you can we do have our own gmail it's improbable wargaming at gmail.com you can sure send a message over there we would love it Um, as well if you go over to our youtube channel you'll find a link to our discord we have Almost 200 people in there and growing. It's a great community, and of course, it's the easy way to reach me because I'm constantly in there doing something. Um, and, and that's uh, in improbable war gaming. Just search improbable war gaming at YouTube. Do you have a? Do you yeah, have your own slug? Uh, well, it's improbable. Yeah, you just do a search on YouTube for improbable war gaming, okay. and it'll definitely pull us up. Um, if you see the neon little sign with two dice on it, you've found the right place. Um, and it's uh, you know we got a lot of content in there. We've got about 90 videos right now. Spanning over to like a seven month period. Very awesome. Um, a lot of the old logo content and stuff as I produce more content will be getting removed from there. It's because, you know, we're just sticking with the new content and, and and higher quality cameras. The old stuff is pretty blurry with the. what we start out with. <laughs> it the, happens. And the audio is really bad. But uh, So as I get more content, I'm phasing out the old stuff so you guys can only see the best.
0: Awesome. And we'll have links to your stuff down in Wonderful. our show notes. If you guys have any other... If you have a question and you can't find Stephen, you can definitely message us through our Discord or at underthehiveofmadness at gmail.com or jimdarkgaming at gmail.com. You can also send us any of your lore any of your questions about the game in general you can send us uh those spooky stories we do I, we didn't talk about it we normally do we do a segment called loris obscurus which is actually the horror lore of the real world oh lovely so like ghost stories and different sure, things sure. we have some really haunted ass houses here in iowa we have we have <laughs> an axe murderer house that i gotta go check out oh lovely. Uh, but we get into all that stuff that like paranormal true crime stuff so if you have any of those stories go ahead and message them to us if you would like to connect with us a different way or connect with steven a different way obviously steven just mentioned his discord server but he is also part of our discord That's server nice. so you should be able to find him there yeah um, tag me i yeah. if i see it I'll, I'll answer hell yeah find our podcast wherever you get your podcast fix our home is spotify but you can also find us on google apple Audible, and many, many more. If you would like to support the show, you can do that over at Patreon, www.patreon.com slash Madness. If you go there, not only do you get access to a video version of the podcast so you can see our lovely faces and see what we are manipulating on the table, but you also get to hear all of those bloopers and all of those times where I completely forget what the English language is. It's minimal editing and it's our beautiful faces. Plus, we've got some other perks, so I do definitely encourage you to head on over and check that out.
1: Sounds amazing.
0: They can't stop our signal, no matter how deep underground they force us or how large the shadow the administratum casts become. Your light of truthiness in the uncertain, frosty, cold, long night, we are 66566 UHMR, ChemRat Radio, reminding all of you chemrats, I have my sense, some ghoulies. To keep your dials fixed right here. Same ratty frequency for a dose of the same ratty ass attitude. In a forgotten realm, legends whispered of the four armed emperors who ruled with a merciless grip. As darkness fell upon the kingdom, their shadowy forms emerged. Their extra limbs reached out from the unsuspecting souls who passed. With each victim claimed, the emperors only grew stronger. The reign of terror stretching across all of eternity.